Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, we are spinning. We are off and running. Good to be with you as always. Sunday, October 16th, 2022, episode 369 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And as we were talking about next week, the schedule is always according to Ken Flo, right? What's the frequency, Kenneth? It is 8.07 a.m. Pacific. Ken Flo's got a busy day as season seven of BattleBots gets underway in earnest. They're going to fit this guy. They're going to see how lean and mean he is. Uh, but you're bouncing coast to coast. We appreciate you waking up for us because UFC 280 Fight Week is underway. What's the good word, my man? What's going on, man? There's nothing lean or mean about me right now in 2022. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, working on it, though. Um, yeah, dude, we're, we're doing Season 7 of uh, BattleBots out here in Vegas for a couple weeks. Um, I think I've been home four or five days this whole month which kind of sucks when you have two kids and that's hard. Uh, but it's, you know, part of the deal. I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful for this job and, um, we're going to, we're going to bang it out, man. So a lot of work to be done, but, uh, I'll, I'm here for the podcast, excited and uh big, big fight card this weekend. Obviously kids got a lot of gigs, folks. A lot of people want Kenny Florian, including his wife, who doesn't strike me as somebody who leads the league in complaints per se, but certainly <laughs> she has a platform on which to complain if she would like to, uh, to complain. My eldest She's daughter said to my wife the other day, like, mommy, you never complain. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, what? Like what, Riley? What? Mommy never complains, huh? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Fucking joke, man. It's Let's joke. go to the stats. Can we check out the stats? Yeah, right. right. Here, I mean, can we check out yeah. like, complaints per month over here? You know, it's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, so a lot to get to. Uh, just a few hours ago, UFC Fight Night Grosso versus Ada Ujo expired. Of course, later on, we'll get six picks from Ken Flo and Brian Petrie in the main event challenge for UFC 280. Oliveira versus Makashev. I have never been this excited to go to Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi. I guess never been this excited to get on a metal tube for this long an amount of time. So uh, very excited for all that holds. Ray Longo, of course, coming up in a little bit. We sent Longo a little care package on behalf of Anakin Florian LLC in advance of his journey 
We'll see if everything arrives and we'll see if he joins us here in about 10 minutes. But um, I know you were able to watch the main event last night. So let us dive into that a little bit. A big fight in terms of the flyway pecking order for the women in the UFC. Alexa Grasso over Viviani Araujo. Unanimous decision, 50 to 45 and then 49, 46 times two. Uh, Ken Flo, I was watching on mute, sort of multitasking. I know you were multitasking as well. But uh, your thoughts on those 25 minutes as Alexa Grasso gets it done in her first UFC main event? Yeah, I thought both of these women stayed very busy uh, throughout the fight for the most part. Um, you know, the first first round was kind of a feeling out process. To me, it seemed like Grasso, uh, not only in the first round, but throughout the fight, was just a little bit more comfortable throwing combinations, whereas Araujo was throwing more power shots, um, looking for kind of ones and twos. Uh, Grasso um, was doing some nice countering was uh, very quick with her strikes coming off of that last shot from Araujo. And um, I thought that she showed much improved grappling. You know, I was talking about that, how much she's been working on her grappling skills. She was in a little bit of trouble in round two when she got taken down and got her guard passed, uh, made a, a calculated error there, um, you know, miscalculated, I should say, there. Uh, and Araujo really wasn't able to take advantage of the positioning because she wasn't staying active on the ground with her punches, in my opinion. So to me, um, when Grasso got back to her feet, she went right back to work on the feet. And I think she probably even won round two as well. So she looked very comfortable up there. She's maturing a tremendous amount as a fighter. Um, I think she's improving. I don't know if it was enough to say, hey, give me the next title shot. But it was close. Arujo is extremely tough. Uh, and I think Grasso is showing that she's putting together uh, quite the skill set right now. Um, I would have liked to seen her faint a little bit more like Dominic Cruz was talking about, um, you know, just so she can not stay in front of her opponent a little bit and, and keep her opponent guessing. Uh, but this is a fighter that that's going to be tough. She is improving and that's a great sign. Yeah, I think you laid it out beautifully, especially in terms of her maturity and her evolution. And it's always kind of funny for me to talk like grappling with you and offer up my opinion. But in terms of Grosso's defensive grappling, I just am reading body language and energy and cardiovascularly. She seems to be in a great place, right? Like the defensive grappling is nothing to Alexa Grosso. Her body language when she gets taken down just seems totally different than it was years ago. Like, there's no negative energy there. It's almost like, yeah, a little bit irritated, but I know I'm eventually going to be able to get up. I'm not forcing the issue. Uh, very impressed with Grasso. And then as soon as she did get to the feet, you know, almost like mad, throwing the like the 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 most power-packed left hand of the entire fight. It didn't land, but Grasso was trying to kill Araujo when she got up after that first takedown. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think when everybody predicts Grasso by decision, like every every prediction I read seemingly was Grasso by prediction, or excuse me, Grasso by decision. And then that's the way it plays out. Yeah, like, is this enough to warrant a championship opportunity? I guess we'll see what Manol Pure and Caitlin Chukagian can do coming up this weekend. Um, but... Grasso is certainly going to be on the short list. And uh, I do think the athlete deserves a lot of credit here. But big picture, like, I, I don't know if I saw a championship aura on Grasso per se, but I guess that's what I'm sort of getting at. Like, uh, she just looks very comfortable in there as a 25-minute athlete last night. Yeah, I agree. And again, <clears throat> always a great sign when you see a strong 25 minutes. I, I don't think there was a round where Grasso was taking it off or taking her foot off the gas. Um, it, it shows the kind of confidence that that she has heading into that uh, had heading into that fight. It also shows, you know, um, that, you know, she was very comfortable knowing that she can go a hard 25 minutes, which is always a tricky thing when you have your first 
25 minute fight. This is probably an unfair question. We certainly didn't talk about this in our little pre-show meeting, but as Valentina Shevchenko just continues to uh, to light up social media and continue to round herself out as a human being in Kyrgyzstan, we're waiting for a challenger to emerge. Chukagin has already had her shot. To what extent do you think Grasso is competitive against Shevchenko right now? And perhaps competitive is the wrong adjective, but is she a live underdog in that setting against Shevchenko? You know? I guess, like, what's your appetite for that fight? I mean, Shevchenko's last few defenses, a handful of them, at least two of the last three, have been a little bit more competitive than previous ones. Certainly the Santos fight. Yeah, I'll say this. I, I don't think it's a a, a bad fight, right? Um, I think that uh, she certainly has some more work to do before she beats someone like Shevchenko, in my opinion, right now. Um you know, that, that's not, you know, a, a controversial take, I think, by any means. But yeah. um, I would have liked to seen, you know, what would have got me on board uh, even more would be if Grasso went out there and just was extremely dominant. Even if she went to the decision, even if she went to decision, um, but just beat up Araujo to the point where it looked like Araujo wasn't even in her class. Uh, you know, I think that would have been, right. um, you know, more intriguing for me. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I'm just looking for that aspect. Uh, she is improving a tremendous amount, but if she wants to put herself in a position to go out there and not just fight Chevchenko, but beat Chevchenko, she's got some more work to do. And, and that's kind of should be the mentality of every fighter. It's like, I don't want just, I don't just want this opportunity. I want to put myself in a position to win this damn fight. Grasso in the post fight said she trusts whatever Mick Maynard wants to do next. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, could very well be Shevchenko versus Grasso. Certainly better than Lad versus Bud or whatever you guys are putting together right now. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Can I even make PFL UFC jokes? Like, am I allowed to do that? Are we allowed to have fun like that in this setting? I don't know. Well, I would say this. It also, you know, I don't know. If you're trying to hype up a fight, you know, they're looking for a clip to promote your fight, let's right. say, against right. Shevchenko. And you're like, yeah, you know, whatever Mick thinks. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. come on. Give me something. Give me something, you know. Uh, so, anyway. Yeah, I mean, coming from the I finish fights guy, it's like you put all of that into action. <laughs> Kenny Florian, UFCFightPass.com. Co-main event is really what I wanted to spend our pre-longo time on because I had nightmares last night about Jonathan Martinez kicking me with his left foot, you know, all across, you know, my lower half, like midsection, head. I woke up dripping with sweat. I went skins for the second half of my sleep because of uh, Jonathan Martinez over Cub Swanson, I believe 14th leg kick knockout or knock knockout stemming from leg kicks in UFC history. Ken Flo, um, all aboard the Jonathan Martinez train. Choo choo. Dude, he's a problem. Um, He's a problem for a couple different reasons. First of all, I didn't realize just how big he is. Like he oh, actually yeah. looked like kind of bigger than Cub. Um, and certainly looked more powerful than Cub. You know, um, Cub looked extremely fast. I don't think speed was the issue for Cub necessarily on his part uh, of him, you know, using his physicality to get in and get out. The problem was his ability to read the speed of Martinez. Um, I couldn't tell if it was Cub not reading very well, if it was Cub being exposed to kind of that lackadaisical type stance, his hands are down. And he's done that many times before, but his footwork moving in and out just seemed to be uh, slow 
um, wasn't reading those kicks at all. And it could be a difficult thing going against the Southpaw, but you know, Cub has a ton of experience. You tell me that's the, you know, one of the first times he's ever fought or trained with the Southpaw. Right. No, I, I think we have to give credit to Martinez and his power and his ability to um, locate the spots where Cub was vulnerable. But to me, this seemed like a deterioration in the skills of Cub Swanson. Maybe, hey, maybe it's an injury. Um, I, I hope that would be the case if Cub continues to fight. It was just one of those things that he had to deal with. But to me, he didn't seem to be reading the right shots that Martinez was throwing. He wasn't reading well. He was eating a lot of shots. Um, he wasn't adapting very well. Um, and it seemed like once his leg was compromised, it was pretty much Martinez's fight. So it was tough. And even, even on the ground when Cub had him on top, Cub was making errors that you just don't see Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts make. Like if you have that top position and you get rolled, that's you making the mistake. That's not like a good move from the other guy. That's you throwing yourself out of position. And the elite guys never throw themselves out of position. So um, that was a tough one because I'm a Cub Swanson fan. I, I love Cub as a person. Um, and this was his opportunity to kind of reset himself in a different weight class, something I have done. Um, so I, I feel for him there. Um, this was tough. This was tough. And of course we have to, you know, acknowledge the weight cut, you know, uh, Dom, Dominic Cruz was talking about, it's only 10 pounds lower, dude, 10 pounds is a mile when, when you had some trouble cutting down to 145 pounds. Um, and you know, 135 pound division is extremely tough, just as it is at 145 pounds. But I thought this was a fight that Cub could have looked better in. Yeah. Um, you know, Martinez obviously is, is extremely good. There's no question about that. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, Cub, Cub's going to have to do some some thinking about where what weight class he wants to be in and, and if he wants to continue to fight. And sometimes when you do try to push the reset button, the focus becomes on the fight before the fight. Not suggesting that Swanson yeah. isn't working on the skills per se, but you hear a lot of talk on this podcast about wrestling maintenance and jujitsu maintenance, and uh, that should not be lost on anyone. Now, you described a situation early on in the fight where Cub got reversed, if that's the right terminology. That's one of those situations where it's a little bit tricky for me as a mixed martial <clears throat> arts commentator without grappling experience to know how much credit to give Martinez and how much to criticize Swanson. Obviously the analyst will take that, you know, I should yeah. just describe it, but um, can you talk a little bit about why that sort of less something that should be lauded on the Martinez side and, and more uh, a criticism of the BJJ black belt Cub Swanson? Yeah. So um, Cub was vulnerable because he had his head down. He had his hips way too high. Um, and kind of threw himself out of position. He was off balance. He wasn't stabilized to the floor. He was too stabilized to the opponent, where the opponent is effectively now the floor and able to move you. So he allowed his opponent to get underneath the center of mass. His head was, was down. His hips were a little too high, which allowed Martinez to kind of just throw him off balance. So, um, yeah, Martinez, you know, needed to be there to do that. But it was Cub that threw himself out of position. If you are in the proper position, it doesn't matter if that person wants to throw you off. Right. Um, he was only able to do that because Cub wasn't in, in the right base, wasn't in the right position, stabilized to the floor there. So we know when it's orthodox fighter versus southpaw fighter, Dominic and others, yourself talk about that battle for the lead leg and getting that outside position. If you're preparing for Jonathan Martinez and that left kick, 
How are you trying to neutralize that? How are you trying to sort of stay away from that weapon? Because it seemed an eventuality, whether to the legs, to the body, to the head, Cub Swanson was getting finished by that particular weapon of Martinez's. So in the future, if you're preparing for uh, for that, how do you uh, how do you navigate it? It's a difficult thing um, if you stay on the outside, and that's what Cub was doing. Cub was all the way on the outside. He was doing a good job blitzing, um, but a, a couple things. If you're a right-handed fighter and you're going against a southpaw who's throwing that left leg, first of all, you need to be able to block, block properly, and that means getting your hand up high, bringing your leg with it to stop that leg from cutting all the way through you. Um, that's going to help. The other thing is trying to get your right hand to be there first. So at, right before, as you see him setting it up, is coming with that right hand and making him pay uh, prior to eating that kick. It's faster for me to throw that straight line uh, A to B, right, to throw my right hand to your head before you whip around in a circular motion with that roundhouse uh, left kick. Um, so that takes a lot of timing, though. You you can't just do that on the fly. You have to prepare for that. Uh, I'm surprised that they didn't prepare for that. The other thing is, don't don't even be there. You know, Cub needed to faint and get the hell out of that kicking range. You know, be all the way outside of that range or circling a lot more aggressively to his left side as the right-handed fighter to take away that that uh, big left roundhouse kick. Thank you for setting that up for us. We will uh, continue our UFC Fight Night recap as we transition right now to the star of the program. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. You go sideways, you go vertical, horizontal, you go whichever which way you want. Good morning, Raymond. Happy Sunday morning, getaway day for Team Sarah Longo. Man, starting to feel the nerves a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat, right? You clear that throat. So uh, Anakin Florian LLC has sent a few things to Raymond in advance of this wow. UFC 280 championship fight. Uh, $1,000 check, Apple headphones, and then we sent you some over-ear headphones Danny. for the plane ride today that may or may not arrive before your flight. But we have sent you headphones for the show, headphones for the flight, $1,000 bonus check on the front end, and, and potentially wow. more bonus money coming if you guys successfully defend your title. Jesus, <laughs> it's always Christmas on the Anik Florian podcast. <laughs> thank you, Every thank you for coming on The Price is Right. Wow. And I don't have to guess what door anything's behind. You're just going to huh. say me. That's crazy. That's uh, we actually sent it to the gym. The check goes to your house, but that's actually for your wife and daughters. But the stuff you really need, your headphones and the like, uh, will be sent to the gym. Uh, Who are you locking yeah. eyes there with, huh? Who that are you locking eyes? Was... <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Delemi, no? Oh shoot, Delemi. Delemi gets a shout out. Is uh, that Nas? No. No, no. That I'm fucking not. Franco, Steve Lee. Who we got? <laughs> wow, he's on fight, Kenny. <laughs> he's got the whole roster. He's got the whole team roster. It's lucky. It's lucky. Oh wow. Oh, you're home. On fire today, John. <laughs> you just froze. Are you home right now? Oh, and he's gone. It does look like his school photo, does it not? I know. Look at that picture, though. I mean, that's great. <laughs> that is brilliant. This is great television. There, there he is. There he is. There where are we shooting? From Pluto? Where, what are, where, are where, you home? What? John, you're on the uh, Babanya again today. It is amazing. You know, people in the comments 
are suggesting that I'm on Adderall. And if people want to send me that to use recreationally, I mean, send it to the UFC headquarters with the headshots you want me to sign. It'd be absolutely fine. But I don't have any of that right now. We're very excited, obviously, for uh, for today's show and uh, for everything that lies ahead. So um, this is just me just juiced on life and uh, Man, your presence. On life. Well, it's an NFL Sunday. Like, this is the dream show window for me and Cody to kill this pre-NFL time before Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. So uh, I'm starting to get hyped up uh, over here. Holy crow. But I so, tell you, you know who's not high on life or juiced on life? T.J. Gillishaw, he's actually juiced for real. He can't I, Come on now. I, that's good. That's good. Dude, I, you know, I was looking at, like, the interviews <laughs> last night on the, uh, the the UFC show. This guy is just the audacity. I, mean, I used to love this guy. You know, I met him when Al, I told you, when Al won the show. He was just a nice kid student in the game. Who led this guy down this path? Just the audacity, and there's no remorse when he talks. Like, he's going for the third championship, man. If I'm Cody Garbrandt, man, I'm suing this guy right now. This is really I, – I really was – I was taken back last night, man. I really was. I mean, you got to take this shit serious. I'm all for a clean sport. But when you start talking, like, of all your accomplishments and you know you're a cheater, I, but what is that? sociopathy what is it let me know no i don't think that i don't think anything you just said is unfair kenny i didn't hear what tj said last night ray do you want to sort of give us the cliff version well first off take another hit of the white devil and then come back because you slow down a little bit for a second oh (laughs) not you're right off your perch no i want to hear what tj said if you could give us the abridged version no that's just the way he speaks is like i just feel like is, has he ever even apologized for what he did? I mean, I don't even know. Is there any remorse in this guy? Well, I think there was at the time. Kenny, I want to throw this to you. I've sort of, in the lead up to this fight, my thesis statement to a lot of media outlets has been, I can't wait to sit down with TJ of all of our fighter meetings because I do believe he has been dismissive, at least, of this Aljamain Sterling challenge. But in terms of Ray's point, Kenny, in terms of his legacy, right, it is a little bit tricky. I mean, on paper, certainly... He's trying to become a three-time UFC Bantamweight champion. But if there is any modern-day career that has the asterisk that baseball careers like Barry Bonds's have, I think it has to be Dillashaw's career, no? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, listen, he was popped for something that um, is unmistakable um, and, you know, ended up coming up with a statement, all that stuff. Uh, You know, it. And then there was the backdrop, right? There was the the accusations prior to that from former teammates and that stuff. Right, so that's the it, other it, issue. It, it doesn't it doesn't look good, right? Um, and again, I, this isn't. You know, I, I'm I'm looking at the quote now. I don't know, John. If yeah, do you want me to read it real quick? It. Let me yeah, read go it ahead real quick. It. So, um, when I'm champ again, it's going to be great. Dillashaw told ESPN, "I never left. I never lost my belt in this weight class." Right. See, my issue with this to interrupt is, you know, the the PED thing was a flyweight issue, right? But let's not pretend that it doesn't, in some right. way, denigrate his bantamweight legacy. And I love, you know, TJ and Fat Tyler, the Fat Tyler T-shirts. I love the guy. Um, I was stripped, but I never, um, I never actually physically lost it people forget how dominant i was because well anyway i want this quote i think is more to be honest man i'm not feeling the threat i'm gonna get out there and do what i do best show him what d1 wrestling's all about you know i'm surprised he hasn't been more complimentary of aljamain sterling and aljo's body of work because when i talk to like dominic cruz he's like dude 
Aljo's really good, man. Really physically strong. Like immediately acknowledges the threat. I don't know if it's promotional hyperbole or what, but perhaps with us, TJ would acknowledge the threat. Yeah, yeah I think that's fine. I, I think I think what, what Ray's probably talking about is like, don't talk about what you did at this yeah. point. Like, don't talk about all the things you accomplished because it's in a way you could just erase those things if if it's coming into question, right? If you got popped, you popped for PEDs. And you're talking about all the things you accomplished. It's like, ah, don't go back there. Just move forward. You can you can go ahead and say how you're going to beat Aljo and this and that, but right. don't start talking about all your accomplishments in a way because now it just you're you're going back to a place where it's like, no, 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 you're not you're not seeing it. So I I get where you're coming from, Ray. Is that is yeah, that why you're yeah, that that that's it? I mean, just show some yeah. humility, man. Please have some character. I mean, we all make mistakes. I'm all about a second chance, but then you can't act like nothing happened though. Right. You know, it, it was almost when uh, Lance Armstrong got caught and he had that chance to tell Oprah and he just couldn't do it. Right. You know, they just they can't. It, it's it's a sickness, man. It really is. I, I see Navinsky, man. I'm going to see if we could, you know, enforce the RICO Act for these guys. I think anybody even surrounded by him should have been embarrassed and been taken down and suspended. Also, I'm not joking. No, like, I anybody, know. And I anybody I, who partook in that and people had to know. You're fucking going down, too. I would like to see a little bit more remorse. I guess I would like to see him say, you know, I I bit the bullet for what I did. I owned that. But if I can yes. beat, but but if I can beat this version of Aljamain Sterling, yes. you know, perhaps right. I can yes. remove some of that doubt as to my Bantamweight greatness. Right. But yeah, seemingly he's not going down that path. So. Yes. OK. Um, so um, I do want to get your thoughts on Jonathan Martinez and a few of the things that happened last night, but I want to keep it on Aljamain Sterling if I could. He's already in Abu Dhabi. Did you see the interaction with Piotr Jan on social media, I'd imagine? I thought that was actually – look, that's who Aljo is, man. He doesn't – he's just a good guy. You well, know? I think Piotr Jan's a good guy. He's and the one PD who uh, who and, shouted and, out your guy. A hundred percent. Piotr Jan also. Yeah, but yeah, I actually you know, look forward to shaking the guy's hand. You know, And then last time – you know, we were in the same arena. They threatened to kill all of us, but I don't want to go down negative street. That was that was actually funny. But uh, uh, no, I thought I love that stuff, man. I think nothing brings you closer. And Kenny, I'm sure you can attest to this than fighting somebody. You know what I mean? And that's the way it should be. But I'll tell you, the guy that didn't look too happy, happy was the guy behind Peter Jan Marab. Yeah, he wasn't smiling too much. Yeah, <laughs> he was, right. He was, right. He was, he was gritting his teeth. But uh, love those interactions. I think that's what makes the sport even greater than it actually is. And, uh, man, it was, I, I loved it. Loved every If I may, Rob, I'm trying to make weight this weekend and step in potentially. Wow. <laughs> I, think he, I think he would do that in a day. I think he'd just starve himself. Well, no, I just say he could potentially fight Jan or O'Malley, but everybody's going to be fine. This fight card's going to stay together. Speaking of which, how do you handicap Sean O'Malley's chances? Piotr Jan, a minus 305 betting favorite, Raymond. Man, I'll tell you what. Ooh, O'Malley has the style to beat him. Does he have the experience yet to beat him? I mean, has he faced the competition that he's going to receive on you know, next Saturday, but he definitely has a long range. He, 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 I love his boxing. I think he's a sharpshooter from the outside. He, it, look, on a good night, he has the potential to make Peter Jan look very stupid. He's a linear fighter, but I think Jan just, uh, I think it's the durability of 
O'Malley against the uh, tenaciousness of like Pideon. I mean, he Beyond can fight too, but he's not. A, he's a you know he's more of a European style fighter, straightforward power player. This guy's he's booking from the outside, but again, he's done that against way less of competition than Jan's face. So I, I would say five round fight, no question, Jan wins that fight. He's winning three rounds. I think you know. If they fought a tactical fight and they skated around Jan and picked him apart from the outside and stayed safe a little bit, he's got a shot of winning. All right, we'll get Ken Flo's thoughts on that, of course, later in the main event challenge. So this is the extent of my prep today for the Ray Longo Minute. Kenny, yeah. I don't know how your confidence level was going into like the Gray Maynard fight versus the Joe Lozon fight. Obviously, Gray Maynard stylistically, that's on paper a tough challenge for you, you know. Piotr Jan versus TJ Dillashaw, before I get to Kenny's thoughts on all of this. In terms of you guys and your preparation, like in your mind, like do you see Piotr Jan or TJ Dillashaw as a stiffer test for Aljamain Sterling, or is it just a different test, right? Like do you have a confidence being like, hey, man, like what a pain in the ass to, to deal with that Piotr Jan chapter over two fights. Now that that is closed, given where Dillashaw, we perceive him to be at at this stage of his career, like I think this is an easier, better fight for us. Like, is that a mentality or not? You're asking me? Yep. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't like that mentality, but it makes sense on paper for sure. Uh, I, look, I think the key to me in this fight, besides any technical stuff, is that I really believe that Aljo got a, a monkey off his back with that win over Jan. I mean, he had to put up with so much shit and persevere. I mean, it was it was rough. It really was. That's a over a year of just getting tortured. You can't, you know, every time you put something on social media, they, you know, there's two million clown faces and a bunch of other shit. So I think Kenny, the fact that this win, I really think freed Aljo up. I think we see a different Aljo. I'm just saying, I'm not even getting technical. I just know from like being with him, Aljo's still to me at 60%. We still haven't seen another 40% of Aljo. I mean, he could do some really crazy stuff. So I, I'm i excited for this fight because I think Aljo's at such a good spot in his life. He doesn't give a shit. He really doesn't. He's happy what he's accomplished. That was a huge win for him against a really, really tough guy. So... TJ's 100% a different type of fighter. He brings different attributes. His movement is better, you know, is better. Than, I don't know if better, but different than Jan's. And he definitely had at one time, he had the wrestling chops. But look, you see Aljo, he went with no, he jumped on the mat with, who was that That wrestler, Kenny, RVC? I know he, uh, you know, whoever he wrestled that time, the kid's a stud. And Aljo did fine with him, you know what I mean? And that was just yeah. walking in at a off off the street basically so yeah. i've never seen aljo get roughed up in sparring he he has great awareness he knows how to stay within himself he knows he knows what he could do good he plays to those strengths and i i'm excited for the fight because i really think we see a different guy because he feels i just feel like he had a big weight lifted off his shoulders yeah. and that's going to make a huge difference to me i don't care technically he's the same guy right he technically is the same guy mentally we got a different guy coming in you know what i mean and i think he wants to make a statement i think he's excited about this guy was you know like a, a cheater before and he wants to really make a statement with the guy yeah i mean that that's the big thing for me um you know when i'm trying to break down this fight um 
I think that in that last fight, and we talked about that after Aljo's last win, it was like three mountains that he had to climb. You know, there was, you know, the, the, the people who were doubting him, um, you know, the fight being finished, him winning the belt in the manner that he did and all that stuff. He had to he had to come back from a lot of different things, the injuries that he had, you know, all those things. When you're able to do that as a fighter and put those things behind you, um, it, it typically takes you to completely different heights and it allows you to go, wait a sec, I can accomplish great things despite all these adversities. So mentally, uh, that could unlock all that potential that Ray and so many people around Al Joe's camp has been talking about and been saying like, no, you guys still haven't seen everything that this kid has. In training, he's a completely different dude. Um, in the fight, obviously, extremely successful world champion now. But uh, if all those things kind of come to fruition, he's able to show all those skills, then you know he may have that belt for a very long time until he decides he's done. So um, I'm really curious about this matchup. This one is a different one for me. It's a tough yeah. one for me to pick. Really? Everything that TJ has done, all the experience that he's accumulated um, – yeah, I mean, this is going to be an amazing fight. The 135-pound division is just ridiculous. You know, so, and, and go ahead, John, one more thing. The key the key, even with me is, but even Aljo, he, he's different, man. I'm saying he's a really honest kid to me. I, I mean, I feel like he's just, when he's talking, like, again, even if he's smack-talking, he doesn't mean one second of it. Trust me, he's not in, invested in it. And even the way he came back after that loss, which was a pretty bad loss for Marais, you know, it's that – goes back to that's not what you that's not how hard you hit it's what you do after you get hit hard man that motherfucker came right back man like nothing happened and that's the sign of a true fighter and you know when you go through a lot of adversity like he has with a lot of things you know i mean right. even you know his his upbringing even at the beginning remember feeding the streets and you know just trying to survive and yeah i think this guy i'm telling you i believe He's in a great spot. He's surrounded by good people. I mean, these guys, I do. I wish I was 30 years old again, traveling the world. You know what I mean? I had this conversation with Aya Quinta two days ago. Like he was in Italy, uh, maybe three weeks ago. Now he's going to uh, Abu Dhabi. He comes home, he goes to Liverpool. Oh, within like two months, these kids are living the dream. They really are. I mean, so they're in a good spot. There's, there's nothing that these guys shouldn't be happy about. You know, Aljo knows, man, there's a kid from uh, uh, Uniondale, man. He's all over the world. This is, yeah. you know, it's not even like the NFL. Like, you know, like when I was growing up, yeah, we I had limos were going into the city. We we lived, you know, pretty good. But we weren't traveling the world like these guys. These guys are, uh, these guys are knocking it out of the park. So, I, I like, again, I'm going back to I think we see a, a free – a freer Aljo than we ever saw before. And, you know, multiply all the things that he does good. And I think that's hopefully what we're going to see. But I believe that's what we're going to get. And that's exactly what I was sort of trying to get at, albeit in a roundabout way, just in terms of a fighter's MMA confidence. Aljamain Sterling is very much at peace with his legacy. Like, I can assure our listenership, he's not going to be around forever. And that second win over Piotr Jan was liberating in more ways than one. And I do think it stands to reason that you're going to see a freed up 
confident Aljamain Sterling coming up here on Saturday night. Not unlike when Ken Flo like walked out there against Joe Stevenson. It's like Joe Daddy had no shot on that night, right? Clay, Clay Guida, Ken Flo had no shot on that night. But I know even leading up to the Gray Maynard fight, we got to spend some time with Ken Flo. You know, it was a tough weight cut. You know, we were asking a lot of him on the television side. It was a huge fight in his hometown. It was just like perfect storm for everything to go wrong, not to mention somebody who was just going to uh, to lay and pray on Ken Flo, you know? Um, so I just find it interesting that Aljo's at this stage of his career in terms of his mental confidence. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Aljo before I uh, get <clears throat> to some other things with you, Ray? Uh, no, that's, that, I think that's about it. But did, All right. did, uh, did you see Jonathan Martinez knock out Cub Swanson last night? Yes. What do you have for me on that? Uh... Yeah, you know, you know me. I'm gonna go back to the same thing. I hate to see those older guys. I mean, that was a tough fight. I thought he look. You could see his hands were better. That that left kick just beat the crap out of him. Kept him at bay. Uh, uh, I'm assuming something was wrong with his knee because he he just I think that that just killed him. But uh, that left kick was the the key to the fight. I you know. And in one breath, I wanted to say how happy I was for a Sun Sal getting the win. And yeah. I, it looked like Cub might have been on his way maybe to doing that, maybe in the first opening couple of minutes. But uh, that kid, that kid's tough. And, yeah, it's just I think it was, you know, a good old guy against a very strong and good young guy. And I, that kick just, I think, just stymied him. Yeah. yeah and, and another thing, John, that I want to go back to is that, you know, and, and I encounter it, when you're cutting weight – when you're going down a weight class, yeah. your body's used to supporting you at a certain weight, right? For many, many years, right? And when you go down, even if it's just 10 pounds, it's a lot of weight, um, you become more susceptible to injuries, both if you take knocks to the knees, um, if you're, you know, the, the, the volume that you're doing throughout training, it takes its toll on you physically. Um, so I, I think that that could be a part of the issue, whether it was in training camp or during the fight itself, your body's just not, um, you know, supporting itself in the same way. There's way less muscle, you know, all that stuff. But I tell you what, Kenny brings up, that's a fantastic point because I've seen guys even with injuries that they feel better a week before, but guess what? They start dehydrating their body and ruining their internal organs. Yeah, the shit comes right back. It goes to your weakest right. spot. He's That's a really good point, Kenny. And that, yeah, that, Kenny's that, had a lot of great points today. You can probably see, Ray, why we prioritize his schedule in terms of when we do the show, right? Because he has so many salient points no, no, to show me, after show. Hey, hey, listen, if there's ever a guy I always loved and gave it up to, it's it's him. I know. You know, I was there. No, I know. You guys are tight. I think Were we struck you there at the beginning? Remember me? when Kenny almost died in the sauna? I mean, were you around when he was on the show? <laughs> who are you talking to me john yeah let's see john, we, well we met back in what 2007 he was there who am i talking no i i don't know if you're sort of you know using this as a road into attack mode on me no i was not there oh, in no, 2004 no, no. Or five when he was on the ultimate no, there's, fighter no there's no attack mode here. i aligned with him a couple years later oh would you be my neighbor so, could you be my neighbor would you be my neighbor it's you <laughs> i like it's I you i like that's my favorite song by fred rogers that's my son my son and, and me. That's our song. It's you. I like. Um, all right. Jonathan Martinez. Last thing I just wanted to say, like, I've never met a silent killer quite like this. You know, Ken Flo is, 
if you read our YouTube comments, they're like, man, there's something about Kenny's smile. It just is so, it really is infectious and engaging and really brings you in. We see this repeatedly in our YouTube comments, you know, but Ken Flo oftentimes was referred to as this sort of like silent, affable killer, this super nice guy with this nice smile. But then he literally is trying to like, you know, ruin your face for your family for the rest of, you know, civilization, you know. Jonathan Martinez, I've never met a silent killer quite like this guy. Somebody so soft-spoken and subdued, yet maybe the hardest kicker I've ever seen at 35. That's all. Well, look, I, lo- I love it. And Kenny, look, I, 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 not that I was close with him, but Kenny, look, he, my, my first impression of Kenny, just a really super nice guy. And his brother, they were just nice guys. Yeah. Definitely. Keith not, can be a not, dick, though. Not Keith can be a real dick. <laughs> What was I that? love Keith. Keith probably my favorite Florian other than Gus, but Keith can <laughs> be a real dick. You know, it wasn't like they were tough guy fighters walking around. They just nice, nice guys. Who yeah. could and Kenny could fight, man. Kenny could fight. And that's the way it is. I mean, you what, what do you want to walk around like a lunatic every second of the day? No. He's I thought he was like a you know, like a light switch. When he had to turn it on in there, he turned it on, but then when he came out, he turned it off, and that was it. He was just a good guy. That's to me, is always the best. I don't like the bragging and the, the bullshitting. And now social media just turned everybody into a clown. But he was uh, they were they were nice guys. That's my yeah. my memory. Right. You know? Yeah. No. And obviously he'd put somebody away and then get on a mic and uh, do his talking after the fact. I will say and I'm not saying this to get Kenny to smile. Keith doesn't even listen to the podcast. We know we got Doc, Dr. Florian's a P1 listener. <laughs> Keith Florian is literally the most underrated chief corner in UFC history. Don't at me on social media. Honestly, he is. <laughs> Go look at Keith in these corners if that audio is repurposed. Like, what a gangster Keith Florian was in that Ken Flo corner. Uh, all right, Ray. Hopefully the uh, the cans for the plane ride arrive. We're going to let you uh, get on out of here. I'll see you on Wednesday in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, Oh, I can't wait for this pay-per-view, man. I'm excited. Juicy. Ray, when do you take off? I'm leaving tonight. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I Safe tell you, travels, man. Yeah, thank you. Really exciting. Again, I tell you, I get watching like even last night when they do the promos, I'm freaking, I'm I'm shaking, man. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's crazy. But uh, I just want to get there and, you know, get in touch with everybody, you know, get in sync and let's, let's do it, man. I think it's going to be a great fight either way. I mean, the whole card is just, stacked and I'm, I'm super psyched for the o'malley fight though i really want yeah. to see if he could fight i I, I do believe o'malley's got what it takes to fight him like a totally different fight so we'll yeah see. longo sees value on o'malley folks plus 255 and ray not to hash out our schedule on the air but i think i might be on your flight back to new york city so we'll realign probably hey. monday for the podcast depending on when you get back do you know when you get out of there exactly or no i get out monday Oh, okay. All right. So we'll have to figure it out. But uh, needless to say, we need to speak with you next week, win or lose. So we wish you all the best. Uh, Is the hair, is this the way we're going, right? We're not getting another haircut. It looks pretty good. No, no, no. I just got to cut two days. What man? Well, no, it looks good. I mean, I did okay. I'm not complaining. It's just unruly. They just have no respect for your ears. I mean, these headphones aren't going to know what to do with all this. I I can't wait to cover up this wig I'm wearing. All right. Well, uh, hey, you know. And, you know, just to stay in sync with you guys, I will wear a baseball hat, too. I was going to say, Bruce Buffer always says, Johnny, stand tall, eyes to the sky, but you may want to go hat on, head down to avoid the uh, the MMA masses at New York trying to get a photo before the flight. So, Wow. Right. Just a bit of advice. You know? <laughs> 
All right, buddy. Well, uh, safe travels, and uh, we will see you on the other side, I guess. Thank you very much. Can't wait to see you, buddy. Likewise, buddy. Sorry, Kenny, Kenny can't be there. Oh, yeah. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> what a way to go out. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. I was on MMA Junkie Radio, and they asked of the 368 episodes, how many has oh, Ray back. Longo he's done? Back. And I said, he's, he's done, done he's 300. Gone. Yeah, he's not back. Said Longo's done about 364 of the 368 episodes. I think wow. Kenny has missed maybe one. I think I've missed one. But uh, wow. yeah, Longo's been a part of the entire show. All right, well, UFC 280, as many of you know, is finally here, and you can get closer to the Octagon with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. And right now, new customers can bet $5 on UFC 280 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. Any fighter, any fight, and all they need to do is win. So if you have not tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, today is the day to do so. Of course, if you want even more action like our handicappers, you can also double your winnings on a same-game parlay. You just combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, how long the fight will last, and more. And, of course, UFC 280, as we mentioned off the top of the show, chock full of compelling matchups. Should Benil Daryush be the underdog against Mataj Gamrot? What kind of chance... Do you give Sean O'Malley to upset the former champ Piotr Jan and, of course, Charles Dubrox Oliveira against Islam Akashev in the main event? All you can handle. Lots of ways to attack the board with that UFC 280 same-game parlay to boost your winnings. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Not now, but right now. Use the promo code ANIC. Throw down $5 on UFC 280 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. That's code ANIC, A-N-I-K, this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, picks are coming here shortly, but before we get there, we're going to spend 60 seconds on the pronunciation of the week as we call on our executive producer, Cody Merrow. Good morning, Cody. Morning. I'm here. All right, rock. So this pronunciation of the week, Ken Flo, I think is the hardest one we have ever had in the history of the show. So Cody in post-production is going to put this fighter's name on the screen so that everybody can hear it. I don't even think it matters who he fights. I think he's fighting Abubakar Nurmagomedov, which is not particularly easy to say in its own right. But this man, first name, G-A-D-Z-H-I. Last name, which also includes his first name, by the way, but it has Omar on the front of it as well. And then a clause on the back end. Surname, O-M-A-R-G-A-D-Z-H-I-E-V. So, Cody, LOL, what do you have for us on the pronunciation of the week for uh, for UFC 280? Yeah, so I brought my tools ready. I put it on the screen so that Kenny could feel my pain a little bit. Uh when you emailed me this, my response was one word. It was just, bruh. Yeah, so. I don't even know. And I gave Cody the phonetics, by the way. I would never normally do this. I actually gave him my phonetics in advance, and I still don't even know if that helps. So, Well, so my guess is uh, Gadri Omar Gadriev. So he's reading directly off my phonetics, right? Because Of course. I, basically. Oh, look at course. you. You already have the name on the screen. Cody, that's why you're the best, buddy. You know, I mean, there well, may be better. There may be producers as good. I don't know that there's anybody better as you already have it laid out on the screen. Um, but let's hear. Let's hear uh, Gadri uh, say his name. Gadri Omar Gadriev. A little slower. No more. Gadri Omar Gadriev. 
Kadri. So what this shows you is that Cody knows how to read phonetics, right? So basically what you got to figure out is which syllable in that last name, Kenny, do you want to emphasize? So Cody, if you would be so kind as to play, play the file one more time, everybody out there listening, tell us which syllable in the last name do you think we should be emphasizing here? Go ahead. Kadri Omar Gadriev. A little slower, one more. Omar Gadriev. Like, welcome to my nightmare. Gadriev. Omar Gadriev. Right, exactly. Driev. So you guys are Driev. particularly good, right? I know everybody thinks I kiss Ken Flo's ass, but Kenny used to work in this field linguistically in terms of his diction. He's as, as good as it gets. So is Coach. Right. So that's the thing. It's that fourth syllable, Omar Gadriev, right? And that's the syllable he emphasizes in his first name as well. So it's Gadri Omar Gadriev, right? Now it's October 16th. I've said Gadri Omar Gadriev now almost a hundred times, voicing the fight, going back and forth with Cody, doing this exercise with you. So, you know, Bruce Buffer is one of my best <laughs> friends in the up. world. You knew I was going here, but it's like, if you're coming to me in the dressing room saying, how do you pronounce Gadri Omar Gadriev? Like you don't have enough time would be my answer yeah. as to how to pronounce yeah. it. Uh, how about that city that he's from? What's that? Metischi? Metischi? Well, with respect to my man Buff, I never have to worry yeah, about the I think exact it's cities. Mietis. Okay. Mietis. Yeah. Mietischi? Yeah. Russia? Wow. Something with a UN sanction. What a beast. You know? What a beast. All right. That's dope. I know. I Well, so I just, my last point before I pop out, I just imagine Bruce getting the card like that day and he's just like, He's just like flabbergasted. He's like, ah, this is going to be a doozy. <laughs> well, if our producers, Lappy and Zach Candido, are listening, right, they know that Bruce writes out his own phonetics on his cards. Now, he doesn't write out phonetics in the traditional way with lowercase and uppercase letters, but he double checks with me as sort of a last line of defense. But you can't <laughs> double check night of the fight. Like for me, that took me a good 20 minutes before I voiced the fight to to get it down so so I could somehow get through the voice. What? One of my fondest memories of Bruce Buffer and me calling fights with John Anik was Bruce Buffer coming. And it, it's it's fight night. John and I are kind of prepping by our desk. And Bruce Buffer will kind of come over and ask us, hey, what's the pronunciation? And John would, you know, tell him once, twice, maybe three times. Say, okay, got it. And he'd spin off and he'd go to announce it. And it wouldn't sound anything like John told him it was. Yeah, right. but, uh, It's yeah, like the yeah, worst game great. of telephone ever, but it's too yeah, yeah, yeah. You're great. like, where did this get lost? <laughs> He's never coming over to say to me, hey, there's a beautiful UFC fan over there that would really like a picture with you and she would like to take you out for a drink after the show. He's always coming over to ask me a name. You know, it's never anything <laughs> exciting. Um, all right. Thanks to Cody. That's the uh, pronunciation of the week. And it, it is all love for the uh, the greatest in ring announcer in combat sports history. All right, let's get to the picks. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There he is, Brian Petrie. Uh, got oh, boys. Uh, it's all hats on deck today, huh? I did. I ran and got a hat real quick. You know, had to represent for the boys. Little, little under the weather, boys. Got the vid. Got the COVID. No. Oh, yeah, the whole family Dude. did. Man, I had a incident Friday night. My uh, my father had to get put in the hospital, and he had COVID. I was like, oh shit, maybe I should check. And Damn. wife and I tested last night. I've been a little sick, but I just thought it was 
you know, one of the kids. But I'm all right. Mild symptoms. We're getting through it here, babe. Big fights, yeah. big fights. Well, you have certainly battled through illness on this podcast before. And certainly, I don't have to tell you. I mean, this isn't nearly as sick as you were when you battled through about four or five episodes ago, right? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, that was pretty brutal. Yeah, for certain, but ago. we wish your dad uh, an expeditious recovery and, uh, and Thank to the you. family as well. Uh, one thing that we did not get to that I just wanted to sort of put a bow on. Um, yeah. Jonathan Martinez called out Dominic Cruz after his win over Cub Swanson. And I do believe for Dom at this stage of his career, you know, fighting backwards in the rankings just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I understand mm -hmm. the fight might make sense. And if. Dominic was financially incentivized. Perhaps a main event against Jonathan Martinez would make sense. But uh, what'd you think of the guy who I thought was the night's biggest winner, Jonathan Martinez, and ultimately the call out of, uh, of D Cruz after the fact? Yeah, I thought he looked great. I mean, I, I, I kind of broke, I picked Cub, but I kind of thought Martinez was going to do what he did. I just didn't realize how effective those kicks were going to be. Chop Cub down. I mean, he looked great. Uh, and you, Dominic Cruz is going to get called out by everyone. He's got the big one of the biggest names in the division, not holding a title. You're not hearing people call out fucking Marab, that's for sure. You're going to hear right. a lot of Dominic Cruz calls out because he's DC. He's the, he's the fucking legend. But I actually think you're right. I don't think Cruz and Martinez makes much sense. I think if Aljo gets past Dillashaw, Dillashaw Cruz makes all the sense in the world. I love their first fight. They got yeah, that history so a little bit. I mean, that that makes a lot of cool. sense. So that way, that's a fight Cruz would actually uh, absolutely take. Maybe even a Cejudo because Cejudo's coming back. I know Dom's bitter about that. Maybe maybe throw Cejudo in there with them. But you're right. I, I think Martinez look great. I don't think he's getting a Cruzy fight, though. Oh, Dom would fight Cejudo in a blank. I think so, too. Yeah. All right. Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge in advance of UFC 280 Oliveira versus Makashev. You can follow Brian at Brian Petrie MMA. We have six predictions today, uh, and then we'll get Ken Flo <laughs> off on his merry way. First fight for us will be the featured prelim. Prelim, I said. Massive fight. Massive, massive fight at welterweight. Sean Brady, minus 140. Bilal Muhammad is plus 120 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Brady undefeated. Muhammad unbeaten, spanning his last eight. And candidly, we all know Bilal exceedingly well. Uh, he's part of the Anakin Florian podcast family, and he's a totally different fighter than the guy who fought and lost to Jeff Neal nearly four years ago in January of 2019. That is the last time Bilal Muhammad lost. Sean Brady has never lost an MMA fight. Something's got to give. Brian Petrie, dying to know who you have in this one, Brady or Muhammad. Love this fight. Crazy. It's a prelim. It could be a main event on any any fight night anywhere. Uh, I had the pleasure of being on remember the show right after the fight got announced. And man, I got to see behind the scenes, a fiery intense Bilal really laying into Brady talking a little shit. Cause apparently Brady was DMing him. There were some, you know, there were some words being said and I don't get to see that side of Bilal a lot. Obviously he has that side. We've seen the pictures of the way-ins, but usually he's a typically funny, easygoing guy on Twitter. So seeing that man, I was ready to run through a brick wall. Like fuck Kool-Aid man. I was jacked up for that fight. Uh, and I love that it's here. I love the matchup for both guys. And I have a really strong lean. I'm not going to be Homer. I'm all over Bilal in this fight because when you really break it down, Sean Brady is 15-0, and 0 and he has looked good, right? He has looked great. He's looked good. He's looked good against Michael Chiesa, but this is Bully B here. Bully B is so underrated. What he did in the Vicente Luque fight where he just showed all the stand-up, which is not obviously perfect and beautiful, but he does have good boxing, but the footwork, the lateral movement, the, the threat of taking you down is great. Him and Brady are very, very similar. But the difference is Brady likes the wall and stall a little bit. If he can't get you down, he's going to put you against that cage. He's going to stall you out. He's a big, strong guy. Kiesa mentioned how strong he was. 
I don't think that works with Bilal. Bilal's balance is incredible. You remember that fight where the guy was trying to take him down one leg and his balance was just unbelievable? Yeah. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think both guys want to be on top, essentially, and I think Bilal's going to do it. I think Bilal's going to break his will here. Uh, come third round, I think. First round's going to be close. Second round, Bilal's going to take over. Cardio's king. Come third round, Bilal's going to win a decision here. Uh, I'm all over this. Plus 120 is stealing. I'm going to put a hefty amount. I didn't get the bet this weekend because of the illness. So I'm going to put a hefty amount on Bilal, and that's going to uh, go ahead and pay for my Vegas trip. So thank you. Give me Bilal by decision. Ken Flo, I know you like this matchup for Bilal Muhammad. I mentioned him being a completely different fighter than he was even a couple of years ago. That's not just in style. That's also in mentality, right? There's just a different sort of aura with Bilal. And I think there's sort of a calm irritability there as well. Like I think he's irritated that this was the matchup that presented itself after he beat Vicente Luque in a main event. I do think Bilal's the type of athlete to channel that in the proper way, but no doubt a big physical challenge here for Muhammad as such. He's the underdog. Your thoughts on this featured prelim at 170 pounds. Now listen, Sean Brady's a good fighter. Uh, you know, undefeated for a reason. Um, I think that he's got, a very good skill set, very focused, very determined, obviously going to be riding high on confidence. I think he thinks it's a very good fight for him against Bilal. Uh, however, uh, when I'm looking at both guys' resume, to me, when I'm looking at a, at a fight like this that on paper is is pretty close, I want the guy that's walked through fire uh, you know, again and again. I want the guy who has faced the big names, who has faced the variety of opponents. Uh, and, and that's a clear, uh, you know, clear choice for Bilal. I think Bilal isn't the guy that when you're looking at him, as Brian alluded to, that he's perfect and moves beautifully and just like in awe of how he moves and all of his, you know, that's not him. He's the guy that knows how to beat you and he goes out there and executes when he needs to. Um, that to me is what Bilal is all about. And I think he's probably, you know, strategy-wise, tactics-wise – uh, intelligence-wise, uh, probably the most underrated fighter on the whole roster. Uh, I don't think he's uh, as appreciated as he should be. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like Bilal in this one. It's not a knock on Sean Brady. I think Brady's got a ton of potential. I just don't think he's faced another fighter with the kind of experience and skills that that Bilal has, um, especially in those kind of pressure situations that Bilal so give me nicely done boys nicely done Paul Felder has trained with both guys and says Sean Brady is like the strongest guy he's ever felt we'll see how he feels to Bilal here in about six more sleeps all right pay-per-view main card opener Manon Fior minus 180 Caitlin Chukagian plus 155 as we mentioned off the top of the show this could very well de determine the next flyweight title challenger for Valentina Shevchenko perhaps Grasso now has the inside track Fjord BP undefeated in the weight class. She has won nine straight overall. This would be the biggest win of her career. Do you think she gets it or no? Yeah, it's a good fight. Listen, there are fewer things I like in this world than betting a Caitlin Chikagian fight because I just can't get it right, right? If it's a decision win or decision loss, it's always very close. I'm always fucking sweating it out. I don't really know. But if you dig up a couple tweets from your boy back in January 2021, uh, you would find Manny Fjord as someone I kept an eye on. I was like, this girl's going to be fighting for a title and or at least be very competitive against Valentina. I see all these abilities that she has. Her, her takedown offense is getting better. I was there live when she fought in Columbus against Jennifer Maya, who's a very 
tough girl. And she's fought st- her last two fights with stylistically bad matchups. She's a striker. People want to get her to the ground. She fought two grapplers and she survived and looked really good. And she's mean in there. Striking is beautiful. Caitlin Chikagian, you know, she's almost like the female tennis player. Ha 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 ha. A lot of her strikes are a lot of, you know, a lot of that shit, but she's very good. Her last fight, she's trying to sit down on punch. She's trying to be a finisher, but I just don't see it. I just don't see the power yet. It takes a long time to really kind of get out of what you, the pity pat style that you've been in. I like Field here. I think she's cleaner on the feet. I think the the big thing that Chikagian could maybe want to mix up and try to take it down. I don't see that happening. I don't think Chikagian has the power to keep for off her. I like Man in here uh, by decision. I don't think it's going to be any kind of finish here, but uh, I, I, I like her by decision. You know, Brian Petrie is creating quite the blooper reel of pronunciations with Manon Fior. Can you say Manon Fior for the audience, please? Jesus. Manon Fior. Did yeah. I nail it? So, Caitlin Chukagian, Caitlin Chukagian, one of my favorites. 11 UFC wins. They are all by decision, Ken Flo. She got her first bonus for her last win over Amanda Hebos. That was by split decision. She has won four straight overall. I believe this betting line speaks to something that BP alluded to. That Fjord is just the more prolific finisher in this equation. And it seems as though this betting line is taking two-way action. So some people do see value on Shukagian, who is more often than not the favorite. Um, how do you see this one playing out, Kip? Gosh, this is a tough one. You know, Shukagian, as BP said, uh, is one of the toughest people to uh, bet for or against. Um, I think that, you know, she's another one who I think, you know, will take a very good approach as far as, you know, the strategy and executing what she needs to. But then other times you'll see her and she'll see, she'll be off her game and, you know, seem very vulnerable to attack and getting finished. So it's almost like she wins by decision or she gets finished. Um, she has faced much tougher competition, right? Um, I think that is clear. Uh, I think she has a ton of experience. Um, she has some good momentum going into this fight, I think. Um, and, I don't know. I, I think Fior is the more dangerous finisher. I, I think that's where I'm going to be, you know, kind of closing my eyes. Be like, oh, please don't land a knee or something crazy. Uh, but I like Chukagian here. Um, I, I think I think it's worth uh, going her way. I, I think that she has the ability to get in, get out, or, you know, stifle Fior's offense in that clinch a little bit. So um, let's go with Chukagian. All right, next fight for us at lightweight. Those Peruvian jeans, you really don't dye your beard at all? Like my beard's straight Dude, I white. Found a, I'm younger I found than a you. white hair. I have a picture. I was going to post it on Instagram. I found a white hair. It was like up into this kind of section up here. Uh, but it, it, it was a white hair. It's all wow. natural. Dude, if I go white, I'll be like, let's go. Let's bring it. Mm-hmm. Give, me oh. the, give me the salt and pepper. Let's yeah. go. I'm not, yeah. I'm not dying that stuff. I'm growing out my hair, boys. You see? <laughs> oh, whoa. Out a little bit. Check it out. Whoa. Laugh, see? Is that see? John or oh, Jason? Yeah, I can't oh, you know, you know the band, John, the no. white stripes. That's the problem. Is like I got these white stripes right here, so we got to shave the head. But I got to move along, boys, to our next fight because uh, let's go. Know, Ken Flo's got a big TV Sunday. Do you know how glad I am to be sitting down for some NFL football after this and not uh, oh. having being fitted for a tight television suit? All right, and lightweight, <laughs> and following a resounding main event win over Armand Sarukyan, Mataj Gamrot favored here at a minus one ninety five clip. As he draws the returning Benny Dariush, plus 165. Benil Dariush has been out since May of 2021 when he bested Tony Ferguson on points. Petrie, don't worry. Yeah. We are going to lead with Ken Flo on one of the two title fights. I'll we'll take all of them. Let's go. Gamrot, Dariush, who do you like? 
shocked by this line. If I'm being completely honest with you, shocked by the line here, value boys, Let's unite and get Benny Darius because I'm on Gamrot here. I think with Gamrot, Gamrod, I thought he lost against Sarukian, and but you know that showed me so much what he did. Came to the UFC with a lot of hype, lost his debut, controversial split decision. But this kid's cardio king, world champion outside the organization, and what he's done since, and he's butchered Diago Ferrar, butchered Jeremy Stevens in like a minute, and he's looked really good. And Benny Darius hasn't fought. I mean, he hasn't been consistent, but if this fight, if, if Benny didn't have all these long injuries and, and layoffs or whatnot, he would. I think he's one or two guys should fight for the title. He's that exciting. He's that good. He's underrated. He's overlooked. All those things are true. But with this matchup, I, I'm leaning Gamrot here, but I just hate the number. Grappling, I think, can be interesting because I think Benny has the better jiu-jitsu and the better wrestling, but Gamrot has proven to be pretty good at preventing really grapplers, good grapplers to get a hold of him. He can grapple himself. But what's interesting to me is Benny Darius, we haven't seen it in a little bit, but his three out of his four losses are by knockout. And Gamrod has proven to really involve his stand-up is evolving and he's, and he's catching guys and he's hitting guys. And I would be interesting. It'd be interesting to see her if maybe Benny Darius is a fight. I don't think he won it. And I think he might maybe get a little lazy here. But, I mean, you're looking at Gamrod by KO, which is going to increase the number. And that's my pick there, Gamrod here. Ken Flo, 40-yard wow. dash. Track and field skills competition, I'd probably go Mataj Gamrot. Just looks to me to be the more prime athlete right now. But in an MMA fight, I do think that this line looks a little wacky to me. Gamrot, though, 21-1, and two-division KSW champion, came to the UFC, wicked credentialed. BP mentioned the setback in the debut. All systems go ever since. Again, I was way off on the line. I did have Gamrod as the favorite just because I know mm-hmm. that odds makers don't like layoffs, but I had minus 135. He's minus 195 yeah. and trending to close north of minus 200 against Benil Darius. Yeah. Your thoughts? I hate that. Oh, gosh. You know, um, I, I don't love picking this fight. I like uh, Darius. I think he's a great kid. I, I think um, – a oh, guy, I guess. I ain't going on a while. Well, like, oh, kid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, I think um, he is as tough as nails. Uh, I think that, you know, his strength is also his weakness. He loves moving forward, throwing bombs. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to suit him here against the quality of fighter that Gamrot is. I agree with you guys that the line seems a little off. I, I would not have Gamrot at almost a two to one favorite. Uh, I think uh, it's a little bit of little bit of disrespect throwing Dariush's way. However, I do like Gamrot here. Um, BP, I wow. I agree with you on the jiu-jitsu part, but I, I yeah. think that Gamrot's probably the better wrestler here. I okay. also think he's going to be more durable. Um, striking, I don't know. I think Gamrot's getting better. I think Dariush hits probably harder. Um, yeah. But I don't see Gamrot getting caught into – Darius's like wheel of violence where he just sure. he, he starts throwing shots and he gets you into this brawl. I don't mm-hmm. see Gamrot playing that game. I think Gamrot's a little too smart for that. Um, and I also think going five hard rounds against someone like Sarukian and whether you thought he won or lost, it was extremely close. And those yeah. are the kind of fights that will propel you forward and you're going to learn a ton from. Uh, Gamrot has a lot of momentum heading into this fight because of that. Give me Mateos Gamrot. That's a shocking pick. I thought Kenny was picking Benny Darius. I know he's. Yeah, I love Benny, man. Yeah, yeah I know. I love. He's a great fighter. Yeah. yeah, I think matchup wise is just it's tough for him. Yeah. I'm still stuck on Wheel of Violence. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Info flashing that that green face watch there a moment ago. So Forrest Griffin saw my wife bought me a, a Breitling watch when we got engaged. 
And, you know, it was like two grand, you know, this was in, you know, 15, sure. a long time ago, right? 2009, yeah. whatever it was, right? Uh, it's a yellow-faced Breitling. I think it's aged well. So I was with Forrest Griffin recently. I don't think I told this story on the podcast. And he's like, hey, who, who makes that watch? I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Uh, I was like, why? You don't like it? He's like, no, I, I don't like the yellow face. Like, I could just tell he didn't like it. And I think he wa wanted a platform on which to tell me he didn't like it. So I laid it out. He didn't like my watch. I like your watch, Ken Flo. All right. Like it's the Starbucks. The Starbucks. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Nice. All right. Title eliminator of sorts here at Bantamweight involving the former undisputed champ, Piotr Jan against Sean O'Malley. Jan, the minus 305 favorite. O'Malley plus 255 on the return. Jan has a win over Corey Sandhagen. Brian sandwiched around the two losses to Aljo. O'Malley coming off that no contest with Pedro Munoz back in July at UFC 276. Longo seems to like the matchup for Sean O'Malley. We need a pick from you, Bri. Week out, yeah. who do you have? Man, the Sugar Show. So I am a noted Sugar Sean O'Malley fan. I have been, I've, it's weird because I'm not a video game guy. I don't smoke weed. So I don't know why I'm drawn to him. I really like his skills. Like I think he's a very talented guy besides you all the You drink alcohol? You're just sober? Cocaine uh, I mean, I do drink. I I, I do. So <laughs> not <laughs> I know, sober. You get, you get. It doesn't just it doesn't react well with me. Like I used to drink a lot. Not like I didn't have a problem or anything, but I would just like literally 25 years old. It's like, hey, you're done drinking because of these hangovers. I just right, literally right. feel like shit. I'm like a two beer guy. I'm done. Uh, we just makes me tired. Maybe I just been smoking the bad stuff, but like every yeah. time I do it, it's like, I'm a social guy. I'm a social butterfly. I want to go out when I was young. Let's talk to some chicks. That's what alcohol is for. Smoke weed. I'm sleeping on the couch. Like, I don't want to go out. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. take this conversation off the air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know Johnny has some opinions on it. No, I have a lot of friends that partake and they're just like, yeah, dude, that was, that was some bullshit back in. The I mean, this so the last sip of alcohol anyway. you had was a beer. Uh yeah yeah or no it was, I, was proper it? proper twelve whiskey I have it up on my thing we did like a podcasting with my buddy where we we took a shot or whatever right. but beer I mean anything really I, again I'm not very yeah. picky I mean I'll yeah. never judge anyone on what they drink you know Brian Stan yeah. is the greatest living American he drinks Bud Light and Diet Cokes so. yeah no I'm not a Bud Light guy um yeah. I, no. I can't remember what it was I'm yeah. a Modelo anyway, guy brewed for those with a fighting spirit that's right oh, you want to get back to the picks now do you let's get back to the picks here go ahead. Uh, listen, I, my friends give me shit about liking Sean O'Malley. They don't see what I see, but I think the kid's really talented. Now, listen, this is a good matchup for him. I mean, they're not giving Marab. Marab would fucking maul him for three rounds. I mean, that's just a fact, right? This is a matchup where Jan likes to stand up. And the top three to propel him up there, you got him give a guy that's going to stand up. Now, Jan can do everything, but this is a guy that's probably ego's going to set, set in and they're going to fucking stand and bang. Let me address the elephant in the room. Sean O'Malley is a guy who has fought two high-level guys. You know, the, the whole thing is they're feeding him cans. He fought Cheeto and he fought Pedro. Cheeto butchered him, got him out of the first. I know the ankle injury, whatever. Uh, second one was Pedro Munoz where the eye poke ended it, but he didn't look great. I mean, he looked a little frozen in there. Pedro was doing things that were a little confusing. Now, with that being said, Jan is the dude. He's the best band and weight in the world. Second best band in the world next to Aljo. He's aggressive. He's good everywhere. But this is a three-round fight. And Jan tends to take off that round one, right? Now, I don't know if he's going to do that because it's a three-round fight, but Sean needs to be perfect in this fight. His striking needs to be perfect. He needs to use his length. He needs to use all his tools, the spinning shit, everything he needs to use. His footwork's really good. Jan is going to march forward. He has the high guard. He's almost perfect, very tie style Throw. He's going to throw a lot of kicks. We always know that. So Sean's got to be aware of all of that. He appears to be in great shape, great mentally. Give me sugar. 
show, Sean O'Malley. I'm agree right Longo. And not only that, I have a strong suspicion he's going to light Eddie Dot Arena on fire because he's going to do it by knockout. So give me Sean by knockout as well. Wow. I said it. Haters Brian come at Petrie, me. I said it. And I believe like it. Like Sean O'Malley by knockout plus 255 just to win on the money line. And Juicy, yes. of course, by knockout. Ken Flo featured about 135 pounds. Which way are you going? Oh, man. Um, yeah, listen, I think that uh, for Piotr Jan, he's a guy that's going to move forward. Uh, I thought that Pedro Munoz would do that. So may- maybe he takes a page out of Pedro Munoz's book and, and approaches point. it a little bit differently. But I-, I just don't see it. Piotr Jan fights the same way every single time. Um, where I see him giving O'Malley some trouble is perhaps in the wrestling realm, taking him down, um, you know, kind of getting some control time his way. I think to strike with O'Malley, especially from the outside, he's going to run into some problems. Um, I don't know if O'Malley can knock him out. I think he can. Does he knock him out? I'm not sure. But I do like O'Malley in this fight as well. I think his length, his footwork in particular, is going to give him uh, an advantage here. Jan's a little too flat-footed for my liking. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem that Jan's going to have against a lot of fighters. If you fight Jan... Like you stay in there and you're and you're kind of your typical mixed martial arts fighter and you just want to strike and not strike and move like O'Malley does. Yon kicks your ass. Period. He's going to take you out. Um, so I, I don't think O'Malley plays that game. I do agree that this is where we're going to find out a little bit more about the discipline, uh, durability, and intelligence of O'Malley. This is a this is an absolute step up for O'Malley in competition. Uh, I do think it's a legitimate challenge. Um, not an easy pick for me, but I'm going with O'Malley as well. I was hoping. Wow. I was hoping. BP was wow. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny, yeah. Kenny, in five seconds, Kenny, if I gave you 10 grand and told you you had to place a straight wager on that fight, Jan or O'Malley, are you putting the fight on Sean? Are you putting the 10K on Sean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I love it. Good yeah. Choice. I mean, the Good number choice. obviously yeah, that, very attractive, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 It's it's I find it to be a, a fascinating fight and I'm not the least bit surprised that at least one of you uh, landed on the underdog. So both of you guys like the underdog there wow. and you like Bilal Muhammad as the underdog I as well. It. We will see where those numbers close. All right. Ken Flo, we will lead with you here. Co-main event for the undisputed UFC bantamweight championship. Aljamain Sterling minus 170 for this latest defense. It comes against TJ Dillashaw, former two time champ is plus 145. Kenny, Sterling's legacy really starting to take shape. Seven consecutive wins on paper. And a win here would really cement it. You add a win over TJ Dillashaw after the two green stripes against Piotr Jan. Your thoughts on Aljo? Minus 170 or so here against Dillashaw for the Bantamweight title. It's amazing what Sterling has done. Uh, This is such a fascinating fight. Such a difficult one for me to pick. Um, We have to go on what we've seen. Uh, and, and especially recently, you know, TJ, of, of course, was out of the game for a while. Him coming back and fighting Sanhagen uh, and and executing in the manner in which he did after that kind of long layoff is extremely impressive to me. Um, I think that it showed that this kid is still very confident. He knows how to combine all of his different skill sets together. Um he seemed comfortable, uh, even in some really difficult spots. And he did it against a guy in Sanhagen who is a problem lengthwise. Uh, TJ hasn't really fought a guy like that movement wise and a guy with that kind of body top type 
TJ's never fought anyone like that. And the fact that he was able to find an answer and seem to be able to adjust throughout that fight showed the kind of experience that he has. Um, and, and that's a problem. TJ has had one of the best footwork games, in my opinion. I don't know. Simply has the best football, footwork game uh, in the UFC and has had that for a long time. Maybe not the best, but one of the best. Um, and he was doing it many, many years ago. Um, that, to me, is going to pose some problems for Aljo. Uh, Aljo could uh, play that kind of game against someone like a Piotr Jan because Jan doesn't have a sophisticated type of um, movement, in my opinion. He's pretty flat-footed. Uh, he stays pretty stable. He'll block high, and then he wants you to stay up against the cage or not move, so then he rips you to the body and beats the hell out of you. Um, Aljo knew how to solve that issue. I don't know if he has the footwork to solve TJ Dillashaw, though. I, I think that uh, Aljo, I think Aljo is going to be stronger. I think Aljo is going to have the better ground game, especially if he gets on top. I don't know how many takedowns he's going to be able to land against someone like TJ Dillashaw. I think Dillashaw is going to be able to read takedowns really well because he has such great vision. He has such great footwork. And also, also he happens to be a D1 wrestler as well. So that is going to pose a lot of problems for Aljo. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tough. I think there's going to be a lot of close rounds here. Aljo's really going to have to rely on his striking here in this fight, especially from the outside where I think Aljo does really well with his kicks and mixing things up and throwing spinning attacks. Uh, but TJ is extremely experienced. He's very fast. And I think where he's going to pose the most amount of problems for Aljo is creating angles and making him pay for those angles. So, Tough for me to go against Aljo uh, and Team Ray Longo, but I'm going to go with TJ Dillashaw. I, I think Dillashaw wins uh, by decision. 30-foot octagon versus the 25-footer in which Dillashaw made his return against Corey Sanhagen. I thought Kenny set it up really well, especially on the Dillashaw side. Aljamain Sterling has won 9 of 10, 7 in a row. We mentioned all the confidence gained from that second win, the real official win over Piotr Jan. Brian Petrie, your thoughts on the number and ultimately who leaves Yaz Island, the undisputed Bantamweight King? So I like the number. I think Aljo should be favored. I think Dillashaw looked a little, he was a long layoff. And I think he had a surgery after Dillashaw fight, but I felt like he just seemed like he was missing You're some, right. he had something in that fight. fight. After the fight. And this has been a long layoff. His body's starting to take it. He's 36 now, still cutting the weight. But Kenny made a good point. He was in there against uh, someone he's never fought before. That body type, that style is crazy. And he had a horrible cut. He toughed it out. Very close fight. I actually scored it the other way, but that matter what I scored. Very close fight. Could on any way. Very impressive coming back, entering that. Now, Aljo's a guy. He's a Rodney Dangerfield MMA. This guy can't get no respect. His striking is so awkward and offbeat. And I know TJ Dillashaw came out and said, hey, this is the champion of my division with this striking. That's going to piss Aljo off. Now, Aljo's not going to walk out there and knock anybody out, but he's awkward enough. And herky-jerky enough that I don't know if TJ's going to be able to catch up with that like we think he can be able to. I think Aljo's going to put him off, enough, put him off en enough with that awkwardness, set up some takedowns. I don't love Aljo's double. I don't think he's going to be able to get many doubles or singles on uh, on TJ Dillashaw. Too athletic, too good. I think it's going to be in the clinch. I think he's going to body lock him, take him down in the clinch, jump on his back. He's going to create scrambles that way. And when I looked at TJ Dillashaw's record in his run from, through 135, he fought no peer grapplers. Dominic Cruz took him down briefly, but Dominic Cruz, I mean, he doesn't, you know, usually take people down and hold him down typically. 
Then you got Henry Cejudo, which that fight didn't end up in a wrestling round. But you look at anybody else. Rafael Sansa was the only guy who can grapple in their one-on-one. And TJ, obviously young TJ, was very off-putting by maybe these grappling exchanges. So we've never seen TJ on his back. We've never seen TJ defending submissions, which is very, very interesting to me because usually he's the one that dictates the wrestling. He's not going to dictate the wrestling here with Aljo. And I think people are sleeping on Aljo's awkward striking to set everything up. And I think Aljo looks in incredible shape. And the one big thing that you guys mentioned it too, he's got that Petrion monkey off his back. The whole legal knee shit where people booed him. He beat that guy the last time they fought and he's got that off his back. So I think he's going to come in here very flowy, very free, happy. As long as the weight cut's good, I see him being on top of it. And I actually like Aljo a lot. I hate to disagree with Kenny because we're, you know, we're both kind of eye and eye on this card right here. But I like Aljo a lot. And I think it'd be, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for Aljo to catch a submission late on the back because we've never seen TJ there. And, and, and this is the human backpack. But I'm going to play it safe. I'll take Aljo by decision would probably be a bet by mine. But I do agree with Kenny on two things. TJ, that was very impressive him coming back, fighting the guy with Sanhagen. And second, um, this is going to be a, a close fight. Look out for, you know, for these decisions. Cause it, it, you know, this, this is, this is not a parlay piece. I should say that. So, but I do like, and, and, and I could absolutely see that happening. I would not yeah. be surprised in the loop. Yeah. One, one of your better breakdowns, BP. I actually think we can finish in that, uh, undisputed UFC Bantamweight championship. Nice. Fight. Only guarantee for me is that at some point Dillashaw is going to have to navigate with Sterling off of his back. Yeah. We'll see. Yes. All right, main event, Mike is peaking for the undisputed UFC lightweight title. Islam Makashev is the betting favorite, minus 180. Charles Oliveira, plus 155. Makashev going for an 11th straight victory. He has handled, if you look at it, a number of different stylistic challenges along the way. Real good strength of schedule, but he's never faced Chucky Olives. Brian, Mm -mm. your thoughts on the price, (laughs) your thoughts on the lightweight championship. You go with Makashev, the chalk, or Charles Oliveira, the underdog. So I understand the price. I wish it was lower. If I was capping this, I would put put Islam at maybe like minus 130 because Oliveira's again, this is a guy who gets hurt every fight and he's losing, then he wins. So I can understand where Vegas is going here. Plus Islam's Khabib's boy. No one ever, you don't see many Dagestanians as underdogs in the UFC. Let's just put it that way. Um, I usually write little bullet points of what I'm going to say. I don't write out full notes. I have nothing because I've been asked for two weeks, how's this fight go? Yeah. And I'm still working out in my head. I'm so fucking jacked for this fight. It's so, so good. So I pick against Oliveira all the time. Go look at the record. I pick fucking Gaethje. I picked, you know, I pick against him all the time. Yeah, you kids are going I, to state school because you keep picking <laughs> Exactly. He's fucking bankrupt me. Sorry, kids. But the problem is, is he, he goes out there and he looks how I think he's going to look. And then he doesn't look that way anymore. I still had this stupid thing in my head of, oh, Frank Yeager took him down and beat the shit out of him. Paul Felder, his last loss. You know, Paulie Felder got on top, rained down elbows. We've seen that. He's been submitted before. We've seen all this, but he's a different guy. He's a different animal. And there's different confidence. His body's different. You know, this is a guy begging to go to 45 at one point. Now he's filled out. He's strong. Justin Gage is saying, every time he hit me, it felt like a lightning bolt. Like this kid can crack. So I don't know why I'm disrespecting him. And I'm not a huge Islam guy. I think Islam is very, very good. And I've broken down his fights before and and, and I've won money on Islam. He's been obviously a huge favorite, so you don't win a lot. But I just feel like this is just Khabib reincarnate. They're sending out. But he doesn't have that Khabib it factor. He doesn't have the personality Khabib. No one's going to replace Khabib, but he's very good. He can wrestle. I think his striking is 
it's technically better, but I think he's still terrified to strike after getting head kicked knocked out. I, I, I still think there's some real hesitancy to be there, but it doesn't matter because he gets on the ground and he's an absolute animal. He's coming off four finishes against over high level guys. That's his priority here. Um, Oliver has no takedown offense because no one wants to take him down. He's just like coming, coming and playing my guard. And so Oliver needs to obviously keep his fight on the feet. And you don't ever hear that much in a Charlie Ollis fight. You know, Ollis wants to get the fight to the ground. He's very good too. And Charlie Ollis has really good offensive wrestling as well. He's strong. He, we saw what he did with Tony Ferguson. He's tossing Tony everywhere. But Islam's a different beast here, man. And as much as I as I want to go Olive because I've been so wrong, I got to keep with the format. Yeah, I, I learned a couple things from Yanni the Greek. This guy's taking a beating week after week sometimes. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to stay the fucking course. So I'm going to stay the course, even though all of this is giving me a beating. I'm going to go Islam. We're going to get a Dagestani champion here. And uh, man, I, I'm looking for the future at 155. Who's going to give this guy problems? And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But give me Islam. And I think Islam's going to do it by finish as well. I think it's going to be maybe some kind of submission TKO or whatever. This isn't going to be a decision win. This is not, not going to the cards as well as another play. All right, Petrie is on Makhachev inside the distance. Yanni, the Greek former handicapper on the Anakin Florian podcast. And by the way, in about eight years, Petrie's kid's going to get into Xavier and is going to be like, why, Daddy, why do I have to go to Cincinnati State Technical College? It's like, <laughs> hey, well, that's where, you know, I bet against Charles Oliveira <laughs> in like eight straight fights. You know, That's where their dad went. That's where their dad went. I'm it's funny. <laughs> I literally just Googled Cincinnati State Technical. I just Googled yeah. as you were talking, right? Like this live radio how, show, this, Cincinnati this Community how, College, and we got the right one. <laughs> this is how dumb I was. My family works at UC, and I could have went to UC for free. And I couldn't get in because I did nothing in high school. So that, that's this guy right here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Charles Oliveira, Ken Flo has won 11 in a row. He has stamped his UFC Hall of Fame legacy. On paper, he is the greatest fight finisher in mixed martial arts history. As compelling a matchup as I can ever remember, I'm so thankful that I don't have to handicap it technically. Um, but we need a pick from you, Ken Flo, here six days out. Makashev, the favorite. Oliveira, the dog. Which way are you going? extremely extremely difficult fight to pick in my opinion uh, i do agree with brian that we're going to see a finish uh i think that the odds of that happening would be like early on uh, i like charlie olives uh later mm -hmm. on in the fight like as we move into rounds three four and five i like mahashev um I think Charlie, uh, or why am I calling him Charles? <laughs> Charlie, uh, Charles, uh, Charles in charge. I, I think that uh, he is extremely dynamic early on. I think that's when he's most dangerous. Um, I, I, I still will say that uh, I worry about his chin here. Do I worry about his chin as much here in this fight against Mahashev? Not so much. You don't want to get hit too much by him, but. Um, I, I think Islam's going to be a little bit hesitant on the feet. I, I think he's not going to be afraid to take Oliveira down. Uh, I think he's going to dance on the feet for a little bit, stay on the outside, kind of stick and move, make it a slow, boring fight, uh, and then look for takedowns late in the rounds. And then as he tires Oliveira out, which I think he will as we move into rounds three, four, and five, uh, that's when he's going to start to turn it up and look for a submission or a TKO on the ground. Um, I think Oliveira, um, being the underdog here, I think there's a lot of value here. Um, I think that he's extremely motivated, uh, by this fight against Mahashev. I think that he feels disrespected, 
uh, heading into this fight. I think he's trained harder than ever in preparation for this fight. Um, I always worry about seeing the shots of him uh, walking around with a lion. I'm like, did he buy a lion? I'm like, if he bought a lion, it's all over. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He's done. He's, he's losing this fight. Uh, but no, it, it seems like he's still still focused. Um, and I, I just like what he's been saying in, in, in leading up to this fight. Uh, Oliveira, uh, you know, I think he's been much better than we've seen him in the past. You know, in previous fights, which uh, again, for me, Brian, I, I agree. I've had that image of Oliveira looking great. And then everything, it's like a house of cards just falls yeah. apart and he just loses all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he's that same guy. I think he has been you know, he's much stronger mentally. I think he's much stronger technically where now he can follow up his attacks, you know, as far as submissions one after another um, with more confidence and uh, with more technical precision. Um, I think on the feet, he's way better uh, than mm -hmm. he was before. Wow. Uh, Islam is going to be a problem positionally on the ground. I don't think he's going to make the same kind of mistakes that the other fighters has made. So, um, you know, I could see Mahashev winning, but I think Oliver early on needs to bring a firestorm and, and just put the heat yeah. on Mahashev yeah. early. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to take the underdog here. I think there's value. Yeah, 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 I need yeah. those points. Let's go with Oliver. Love it. Both had a Love great it. year. Ken flows on Charles Oliveira. Brian Petrie will have more later in the week on his MMA Takes podcast. That's and right. Brian Petrie MMA on social media if you need to find the show. Buckle up, BP. You guys got to like this 2 p.m. Eastern uh, pay-per-view start. Love it. Think, well, I got a, they got a family Halloween party that night, and they, they're they like, well, Brian's not going to come because there's fights. I was like, no, I'll be there because it's during the day. So I got to go. Yeah. I get to do that. So that's good. You're going to dress up as a state college graduate, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I, 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 I don't have any. With the Cincinnati I'm Surges. I'm just messing around. I mean, <laughs> the Cincinnati Surges is their name, which is the worst name ever. I, I did not buy any apparel because it's it, the logo is like a tornado. I don't even know what a surge is. So. My school, we're, the Gettysburg College Bullets. They're trying to figure out what to do about bullets. In oh, they're changing bullets? Oh, we'll wow. see what happens. Uh, all right, PP. Wow. Hey, thanks for uh, for everything. See you, boys. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week, my man. See you, dude. All right, Let's Brian do it, boys. with see us it. for the main event challenge. Kenfo said Charles in Charge. That was a sitcom when we grew up. In Boston, yeah, I might no, say Charles no one, and Chaj. No one got that reference. Charles yeah. and Chaj. I got that reference. So I'm okay. running Charles in Charge is one of the greatest uh, you know, intros. You yes. guys know I don't pre-plan my calls, right? When Kamar Usman broke through and became the UFC welterweight champion, I didn't say right after the fact, Africa Unite, but it's a little corny, right? Africa Unite. My my old buddy Ryan Rosillo was like, Africa Unite. Um, but <laughs> Charles in charge, right? Like I'm running out of ways to cap Oliveira fights. And we've had these unique circumstances, like his last title defense that wasn't a title defense. So you can't necessarily say and still, so I think maybe I said and still the best lightweight in the world or whatever the hell I said. But, you know, doubt him now at times. But I think this time around, if he beats Islam, we might have to go Charles in charge. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Charles I will in jump. charge again. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll be calling BattleBots fights when you do it. But um, when I hear it for real, I'm going to jump out of the couch. It's gonna be we'll honest. see. We'll see. But <laughs> Cody Merrow, our producer here for the Merrow Seconds and another NFL pick. Hi, Cody. Oh yeah, you know it. Yeah. The What's up? What's uh what's going on? No, just hanging out, just excited. Just uh, all, all so home, you know. Are you 0 and 4 in the NFL or 0 and 5? 0 and 4. Okay. I haven't, give, haven't 4. given the the week 5 pick yet. All right, so we are uh we are sitting here on the brink of week 6 in 25 Correct. minutes. So before we get to anything on the cutting room floor that we missed on the MMA front, 
Do you have an NFL selection? Oh, you're good. Baron Leah, you want to jump right to the NFL? I got you. I got to pick. Oh, for you. yeah. I mean, you're wearing your Pats jersey. Big game for the uh, New England yeah. Patriots today against the Cleveland Browns. Who do you have? Who's the pick to click? Well, so I do like the Pats today, but it, I don't think the show will be out in time for that to be valuable for the listeners. So I moved to Monday night. Good for you. To give the fans something to tease on. And I think the Chargers minus four and a half is the play. Now, why is that? Well, Russell Wilson, let Russ cook. I wouldn't let Russ cook for my dog. He's been dog shit this year. He's been absolutely awful. Ranks 24th in QBR. He's got a shoulder injury. Their offense is anemic. They rank 31st, and they're dead last in the red zone. Uh, the Broncos 0-5 against the spread in their last five road games, 1-7 in their last eight in October, 1-7 last eight against the AFC, and the home team in this matchup is 5-0 and against the spread in their last five matchups. So Chargers minus 4.5. I think they put it on. Denver tomorrow. I'm in the circus sports million contest and the Chargers is one of my plays. We are aligned there. I, you know, I'm fading Russell Wilson at this point in time and I should be fading you. So now I'm feeling a little bit hairy about my selection. Uh, what else you got kid before we uh, let Ken Flo get on his way and, uh, and move along. Yeah, so a couple of announcements. Uh, Jiri Prohaska versus Glover Shosheta 2 is added to UFC 282. Glover is likely to open in the plus 170 range. Jiri minus 200 from what I'm seeing. Uh, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you guys think about that? Is that what you at your whistle? I would have liked it on MSG myself. But. I love the fight, but if you're going to go full Brazilian Portuguese on Teixeira, at least call him fucking Glover. I mean, come on. Glover. Man. It's Glover. Dropping Glover not? on these airwaves. No, I, this was the fight. I said to Glover, and I know John Hackleman sort of didn't want to hear this noise when I was presenting it to Glover a few weeks removed from that fight in Singapore. But it's like immediate rematch. Given the nature of their first fight, I know Anthony Smith and others were put off by the lack of technicality in it, but you had to run this back every day of the week, no? 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, what, he's like 10 seconds away from being in yeah, still? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Crazy fight. Yeah. Uh, so another one added to that card, uh, Jan Blachowicz versus Magomed Ekaliyev, December 10th in Las Vegas, which, hey, feasibly, we might all be there. So they they heard that and they started adding fights to this card. They're like, Ken going to be in town. We got to fucking pack this thing up. Yeah, that's a light heavyweight tournament right there. I love that that fight's on the same card. Yeah, and um, I'm just excited. You know, the UFC 282 card and possibly, you know, rumblings of a John Jones return, perhaps, which obviously would not be a title fight. So that um, feasibly that announcement does not hold up a John Jones fight on that card. Oh, wouldn't that be better with Johnny huh? Bones in it? Gotta love that. Uh, so, yeah. and then last point, there was a little drama about a UFC 280. So Volkanovsky came out and said that he is the backup for the UFC 280 fight. But then Benil Daryush came out and was like, well, I was told that I'm the backup. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, who's who's bullshitting here? Like, what did you guys think of that? What did you um think of that news? So as I sit here on Sunday, Ken Flo, I have all my fighter cards just getting ready. I haven't done them yet, but I pulled the old fighter cards. And I will tell our audience, I did pull the Alexander Volkanovsky card just in case I have to prep him. Now, I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think the Volk man is someone who would throw that out there. He's a man of veracity, right? I can understand why why Benny Dayush is a little bit ornery and angry with that reality, but I think they want to preserve the Gamrot Dayush fight. I think it's weird to have Volkanovski get his double champ opportunity on short notice as an alternate, but um I'll be prepped on Volkanovski just in case and I'll probably get word here in the next 48 hours. Kempfle, you got anything on that kid? Uh what what were you asking Cody exactly? Well, Volkanovski has articulated the fact that he is the backup for the lightweight title fight between mm -hmm. Makashev and Charles Oliveira. And yeah. you seem to think that he got verbal 
word that yeah. that he or was assumed it because he was the highest ranked lightweight on the card, even though he's a dog in the fight that he's actually against. So, you know, maybe gotcha. just some wires crossed there. But I guess my question for you, Kenny, would be, do you like that for Volkanovsky, given the fact that you're going to fight either Islam or Charles, who feasibly you would need a full camp to prepare for on short notice? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think I think it's the right call for the UFC. I, I think it, if that happened, I don't think you would get anyone who would be disappointed about that. I, I think Volkanovsky is an absolute savage. Um, uh, yeah, it's not ideal for him, uh, right, getting a full camp. But at the same time, I, I think also him being the 145-pound champ, he's got nothing to lose. Oh. Uh, so it, you know, and easier weight cut for him. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff there. Well, and then just to put a bow on that for everybody, you know, the, the chances of that happening are very low. I mean, the UFC is its own commission in Abu Dhabi. So like any Charles, you know, fuckery that would go on would feasibly not happen. And then I think worst case scenario would be Islam drops off the card and all of the Middle Eastern fans don't get to see, you know, the next coming Habib. So very interesting stuff. UFC 280 going down daytime card. Reminder for everybody next Saturday. Thank you, buddy. Good stuff. Still dying to uh, to dye my hair blonde at some point. I would have to grow it out, though. <laughs> Today's show brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook and UFC Fight Pass, the world's premier combat sports streaming service with over 200 live events, the largest fight library in existence, original shows, and so much more. Sign up for a year and get half off for a limited time at UFCFightPass.com slash sign up. Don't forget, Anakin Florian Rewind, our podcast exclusive, is behind that paywall and available right now as we look back at the first fight that we called together January 20th of 2012. And we got four more coming up in the can, UFCFightPass.com. All right, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to check out Remember the Show, Bilal Muhammad's video podcast with my twin brother Jason Anik on this very Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel. KennyFlorianMartialArts.com for your jujitsu needs. AnnaFlorianPodcast.com for all show merchandise. And Millions.co for your Abu Dhabi One More Sleep limited edition t-shirts. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrill. Thanks to Ray Longo and Brian Petrie. And the fucking goat, Ken Flo. With that, I'm John Anik. Everybody enjoy UFC 280. Don't forget, special ESPN Plus pay-per-view start time, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we will talk to you live from Abu Dhabi and then next week right here on the podcast. Thank you all for your listenership, your viewership. Tell your friends. We'll talk to you in a week. Until then, be well, be safe, be healthy. You later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.